We're going to go to the word of the Lord today. We're going to be reading from Acts chapter 1, a familiar portion of scripture. Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse number 4, says this, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so today I'm going to preach for just a little bit on this phrase, you shall be witnesses. You shall be witnesses. In my late teens and even the beginning of my 20s, I wanted to be a lawyer. I was intrigued by the practice of law, probably for a variety of reasons, because many of them, of course, made good money. And when you're looking at careers, money is part of what you look at. And so I was interested in the law profession. And then maybe it was even partly because I liked to argue so much that I was wanting to be a lawyer. And, and I didn't want to just be any lawyer. I didn't want to be a corporate lawyer or writing up contracts. That doesn't sound like any fun. But I wanted to be a courtroom attorney, one that was in the courtroom getting to actually argue and, and debate and present cases and defend cases. And, and so in a, in a courtroom setting, you have a number of different players you of course you have the judge who is sitting there presiding over all of what is going on you have the jury of 12 peers of the defendant which is another person and then you have the attorney for the defense and then you have the prosecuting attorney and and of course the gallery and a variety of other things and and I, I didn't really want to be a defense attorney I thought a prosecuting attorney would be much better and I wanted to be an attorney but no, no case is, is really going to go forward and move forward without witnesses. That Witnesses are the important part of the case. They are the ones who have knowledge of what is going on. They either have knowledge of the character of the individual or they have knowledge of the events under question. So a witness is important and you can have witnesses for the defense or witnesses for the prosecution but you need witnesses in almost all cases. The Bible tells us and calls us to be witnesses. Jesus has called us to be a witness. And a witness defined in the Bible is one who has information or knowledge of something. And hence, one who can give that information. And as Christians, as born-again believers, we have information and knowledge that God has given us that needs to be shared. It is not something that we're supposed to keep to ourselves. It's not just information and knowledge that we're supposed to have and everything's good because we know it, but it is given to us because we are supposed to share it. In our text today, we see three different aspects or different questions around what it means to be a witness. 
The first question is really that of when. And the scriptures tell us that we are called to be a witness after the empowering of the Spirit. That after the Spirit comes upon us, then we are to be witnesses. And here in the, this text that we read, Jesus used that phrase, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He's talking to, of course, 11 of his disciples at this point. They haven't replaced Judas, and so he's standing, getting ready to ascend to heaven, and he says, after the Spirit has come upon you. That tells us a number of things. It tells us, one, that they are still waiting on the Spirit to come. The Spirit has not yet come upon them. They are still waiting for that promise of the Father that Jesus mentioned in verse 4. And here he also lets us know that that promise that they're waiting for is clearly the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That it is the Holy Spirit that is the promise that he has been talking about. It's the Holy Spirit that he has been promising numerous chapters back in the book of John that was going to come. One of the things we see here is that he uses in verse 5, he uses come upon. When the Spirit has come upon you, actually that's verse 8, but verse 5 he says you will be baptized with the Spirit. And, and that means that come upon and baptize, they're the same thing. It's not a difference. There's not a distinction in come, the Spirit come up, coming upon you in the New Testament or being baptized with the Spirit. And when this actually happens in Acts chapter 2, verse number 4, the Bible uses a third word, and it says that they were filled with the Spirit. So what we see here is that to be baptized with the Spirit, or to have the Spirit come upon you, as Jesus said in verse 8, or to be filled with the Spirit, as in Acts 2, 4, all of these are synonymous terms. It's not a difference. It's not a distinction. They are synonyms. They are the way in which the Spirit comes, that the Spirit does come upon you, the Spirit does fill you, the Spirit does baptize you or immerse you in the Spirit. All of these are true. But the disciples at this point, they're still waiting for this infilling. They're still waiting for this baptism. They're still waiting for the Spirit to come upon them. But here's what I know is that God equips those whom He calls. And so He hasn't called them to be witnesses without equipping them for the task that is at hand. And he says, when the Spirit comes upon you, then you shall be witnesses. It's after the fact, after I've given you the power, after I've given you what you need, then you can be witnesses. And what I would tell you is that you don't have to witness without the Spirit, and I would also say that you can't adequately witness without the power of the Spirit at work in your life. And we're going to see what that means in just a little bit. But because if you have the Spirit, John 14, 26 says that the Spirit will lead and guide into all truth. In fact, Jesus said it this way, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. That it is the Spirit that leads and guides and helps and enables and equips us to be the witnesses that God has called us to be. We need the power of the Spirit. We need to be equipped with the power of the Spirit. But they're still waiting. Jesus said in John 7, He who believes in me as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. 
John 7, Jesus says, you're going to receive the Spirit. If you believe, you will receive the Spirit. But the caveat is that until Jesus is glorified, it's not even possible. You can't receive it until he has ascended up into heaven. It is at his ascension that he is glorified. And until that takes place, the power of the Spirit and the indwelling presence of the Spirit is not possible. So here, these disciples stand. They are talking to Jesus. They've been talking with him for 40 days. He has been crucified, he was buried, he was resurrected, and then for 40 days he spends time with them communicating the truths of Scripture, reminding them of all the things that he said that he would do. And just as he's getting ready to ascend, he says, wait for the promise of the Father. It's getting ready to come. It hasn't happened yet. It is getting ready to come. And when it comes, you shall be witnesses We need the power of the Spirit if we're going to adequately be witnesses for Jesus Christ. We need the indwelling presence of God if we're going to adequately be witnesses for Jesus Christ. We need the indwelling of the Spirit, that helper that will lead us and guide us and teach us everything that we need to do. Secondly is the question of where. So when we are called to be witnesses, we're called to be witnesses everywhere. Jesus says it like this at the end of verse 8. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And if you know anything about Bible geography, then you know that Jerusalem, of course, it is the city of God. It is the capital of Judea. It is where the Jews, it is their holy place. It's where their temple is. It's the center of their existence. It is a city. But he says you're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea. He expands that out that it's not just in Jerusalem, but it's also in the state, as it were. You're going to be witnesses all around Judea. Thirdly, he says you're going to be witnesses in Samaria. It's the neighboring state. It's the neighboring area just outside of Judea. And then lastly, he says to the end of the earth, which means everywhere. That we are called to be witnesses everywhere that there are people all across our city, all across our state, across our nation and around the world. But the reality is that not everybody can be witnesses everywhere. Every one of us are not called to be witnesses everywhere in the sense that we are to leave where we are and we're to go some other place and to be a witness there. We're not, we're not called to, to leave our family, our friends And go somewhere else. Now there are people that are. We call those missionaries. Where they're called by God to leave where they are. And go to a people or a place. That doesn't know Jesus. And preach the gospel there. But for the majority of people. It is not the calling that God has placed upon us. But we are still called to be witnesses. And Jesus lists out these concentric circles. And you see this play out in the book of Acts. In essence it is the outline of the book of Acts as as the gospel is preached in Jerusalem and then it expands to all Judea and then Acts chapter 8 it it expands to Samaria and then Acts chapter 10 and beyond it expands to the ends of the earth that everywhere receives the gospel it's that pattern of evangelism that takes place that pattern of witnessing that expands from that central point of Jerusalem to the end of the earth but for the majority of us our community 
should be our focus. We're not called to go to Africa or go to Asia or go to Europe. We're called to be witnesses right where we are. We're called to be witnesses at the grocery store that's just down the street from where we are. We're called to be witnesses at our place of employment. We're called to be witnesses at our school. We're called to be witnesses in our community. But even within our community, it's not just an individual location. It's not just, well, I'll be a witness on my job and that's it. No, it's wherever we go. We are called to be witnesses. So whether it's at the job or at the grocery store, as I mentioned, or at school or at the park, wherever we go, we are called to be witnesses. Many times people are seeking for a word from God. They, they are asking God for a word or direction to be a witness. And God, lead me to somebody and, and help me find somebody. And all of that is good, and I, and I don't knock that, and I've prayed that prayer myself, but the reality is we don't need a word from God, we just need to do what the word already says. We already have the word from God, so we don't need a word, and the word says we are to be witnesses. That everywhere we go, we can find somebody that needs to hear about Jesus Christ. Everywhere we go, people are hurting, and people need to know who Jesus is. So we are called to be witnesses everywhere. Lastly, we are called to be witnesses not only after the Spirit comes, but we're called to be witnesses through the power of the Spirit. It is through the power of the Spirit that we are to witness. It's not in our own power, it's not in our own might, but it is in the power of the Holy Spirit. The word power here in Greek is the word dunamis. We get our word dynamite, and if you've been around church at all, you've heard people make uh, that parallel, that it's an explosive power. It's a, it's a great power. It's not a quiet power. It's not just an authority, but it is an explosive power. But what I would tell you this is that its power really is to change things. It's to change lives. It's to change situations. It's to change hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit, that, that when you get around dunamis power, things should not stay the same, but they should change. They should be better. They should be impacted by the power that you and I have. It is the power of the Spirit. Many times I, I've heard people refer to this, that this power is just the power to verbalize the gospel. And, and, and I would tell you that God does enable us. He does equip us to verbalize the power. And so it is partly that it is power to verbalize the gospel. Power to do it with boldness. Power to do it in the face of opposition. Power to do it in the face of ridicule. Power to do it when people don't like you for sharing the gospel. God will give you power and boldness to do that. And so we need that power. But I would say it's more than just power to verbalize the gospel, but it is also a power to demonstrate the gospel. Not just verbalize, but to demonstrate. We demonstrate it with signs and wonders and miracles. We're living in a culture now where there is truth on every hand, that people have truth, and, and whatever their truth is, that's all they need, and it's you have your truth, I have my truth. 
That's the culture we look in, but we need the power of the Spirit, that demonstration of the gospel that will change people's minds, that will change people's attitudes when they see God at work. Not just the words we say, but when they experience the God that we preach and the gospel that we preach, when they experience that and when they encounter the demonstration of the Spirit, it will change people's hearts, it will change people's lives, it will change their attitude, it will change their mind about truth. That is the pattern of the book of Acts. That everywhere they would go, they would preach the gospel, they would verbalize it. In the face of opposition, they would boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then it didn't just stop with that bold proclamation. Signs and wonders and miracles would take place. As as they would pray for people who had needs, they would pray for people who were lame and they would walk, and they would pray for people who would blind were blind and then they would see. They were would pray for people who could not hear, who could then all of a sudden hear by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of the Spirit to be a witness. We're not to go in our own strength, we're to go in the strength of the Lord. Paul wrote in Ephesians, he said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Then say, be strong on your own, but we're to do it in the power of his might. We're to strengthen ourselves and allow God to strengthen us to be a witness so that people's hearts and lives will be changed. Zechariah 4, 6. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. We don't have to do this in our own ability. In fact, we can't do it in our own ability. Sure, we can can understand the gospel and and, and we can verbalize it. We, We can tell people, yes, that Jesus Christ came and he lived a sinless life and and he died for your sins and he was crucified and buried and he rose again the third day so that you could have life and and we can tell them that he is the only way that there's no other way apart from Jesus Christ we can verbalize that we don't necessarily need the Holy Spirit to even enable us to do that but when people don't receive it If people don't want to hear it, we need the power of the Spirit. It's not my power, it's not by my might, but it is by His Spirit. And without question, we need the power of the Spirit to see signs and miracles and wonders done, to see people healed, to see the lame walk and the blind see. All of that takes His power. There's nothing I can say and nothing I can do apart from Jesus Christ and His power that will enable somebody to get up out of a wheelchair. To enable somebody who was blind to be able to see. And no matter how much I verbalize, and no matter how eloquent I may be at verbalizing the gospel, if I don't have his power with me, their hearts and their lives aren't changed. It's just words. But when I have the power of the Spirit and I verbalize the gospel of Jesus Christ, it does something into the heart of people. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of the joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That only takes place when you have his word infused with the Holy Spirit power and you're talking to people. We need his power. It's not my might, not my power, but his power and his spirit. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 
He said, in my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of men's wisdom. I didn't come with human wisdom, but I came in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That's what he has called us to do is to be witnesses through the power of the Holy Spirit. To share the gospel in a meaningful way. But not only to share it, but to verbalize the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but we're getting, in my opinion, we're closer now. And of course, it stands to reason we're closer now than we've ever been to the second coming of Jesus Christ. But I, I think we're getting, we're getting close. The times are changing. Our culture is changing. The signs of the time are saying that we are getting close. And because we're getting close and we need to be more adequate and more adamant about proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ than we've ever been. We need the power of his spirit at work in us to enable us to do that. So we are called to be witnesses as the musicians come. We're called to be witnesses after the spirit comes upon us. He didn't, Jesus didn't call them to be witnesses before, but he called them to to be witnesses after the Spirit comes. We're called to be witnesses everywhere that we go. And that doesn't mean we're to go everywhere, but wherever we go, we are called to be a witness. We're also called to be witnesses through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is only through the Spirit's power that we can do it. Acts chapter 8. It's one of my favorite chapters in the book of Acts. And Philip goes to Samaria. It's a new area. The gospel hasn't been preached in Samaria. He goes to a new place. And he begins to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He tells them who Jesus is. He he tells them that he's the only way, that he is the Messiah that they've been looking for as well. That he's not just the Messiah of the Jews, but he's the Messiah of the Samaritans. He tells them and he preaches this gospel to them. He verbalizes the gospel. The Bible tells us that he does more than just verbalize the gospel, but says many signs and wonders accompanied the preaching of the gospel. People were healed. People were delivered. Demons were cast out. The Spirit God was at work. And it says after that that they believed the gospel. That they believed the message about Jesus Christ. And there was great joy in that city. There wasn't a great belief. There wasn't even great joy until after the demonstration of the Spirit. But after that Demonstration of the Spirit. After that came, they believed the message about Jesus and there was great joy in that city and they were baptized, the Bible says, both men and 
women. That people were saved not just because of the verbalizing of the gospel, but they came to believe in the Jesus that was being preached because of the demonstration of the gospel. We need the power of the Spirit to be at work in us. And so my admonishment and my encouragement for you today is this. To verbally share the gospel with someone this week. Find somebody that you can tell about Jesus. Find somebody that doesn't know Jesus and explain to them who he is. Tell them who he is. We are called to be witnesses. You shall be witnesses. It's not a you may be witness, but you shall be witnesses. And if you have the power of the Holy Spirit, there's nothing holding us back. We shall be witnesses. Find somebody to verbally share the gospel with this week. But even if you can't meet with them in person, you can do it on Zoom or FaceTime or Google Hangouts or whatever platform you want to do it. You can find a way to talk to people about Jesus. But beyond that, I encourage you to demonstrate the power of the gospel in praying for someone this week. You can pray for them. If they need deliverance, you can pray that God will deliver them. And if you believe it, He is a deliverer and He will be at work in them. If somebody needs healing, pray that God would bring healing. If somebody needs provision, pray that God would be their provider this week and that He would show Himself strong, that He would show people who He is and that they would come to know Him. It's easy a lot of times to pray for people who already believe the gospel. It's another thing to pray for people who don't believe the gospel. And by praying for them, I don't mean just tell them you'll put them on your prayer list. I don't mean just tell them that you'll submit a request at your church. But pray right then, right there on the Zoom call, right there in the store, wherever you happen to be. And let God's power and His Spirit work in their lives. God is a life-changing, saving God. And it's not His will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And He has chosen those who are saved to reach those who are not with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You shall be witnesses. Let's pray, Jesus, I pray right now that you would give your people boldness. I pray that you would give them courage. I pray that you would give them faith that when they step out and boldly proclaim the gospel, that you will be at work. That when they boldly take a step of faith and they pray for that person who is sick, that you will show up in healing. That when they pray for that person who needs comfort, that you will show up and you will comfort them. When they pray for that person who's lost their job, that you will show up and you will be their provider. And Lord, I pray that you help them to to marry the verbalizing and the demonstration of the gospel together. That you're not just demonstrating your power so that they know that you are strong, that they know that you're able, but you demonstrate your power because you want people to be in relationship with them. God, give them boldness 
to share your love. Give them boldness to share the truth of who you are. And give them boldness to demonstrate the power of the gospel. Lord, I pray that right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I feel your presence and your power as as I'm praying. And I, I pray, Lord, that everybody who listens to this or sees this, God, I pray that they would feel that same presence and that same power. That they would be infused with power and boldness. And Lord, if they haven't received your spirit, it is your desire and your plan for them to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. That will not only enable them to be witnesses, but it is that power that will resurrect them at your coming. God, let it be done. In your name we pray. In the name of Jesus.